preach. So maybe that's maybe that's what that first service was teaching and preaching. I guess technically, anytime we declare the word of the Lord, it's preaching in any way, whether we're on a street corner or whether we're in a coffee shop. But I feel like I want to teach today. And uh, I'd like you to just walk through the word with me. So we'll, we'll jump through a bunch of scripture. If you, uh, if you're here in the second service, but we're not in the first, I encourage and I strongly ask that you please go back and listen to today's first service. Uh, I feel like it's critical for this new year and where the Lord is taking us. Um, a reminder, and I, I would ask the same if you weren't able to be here Thursday night, that you go back to Thursday night and listen, watch that as well. Both of those services this morning and Thursday night are available on YouTube. We'll also have them available on our audio podcast. Um, I, I feel like all of that is woven together with where we're going in this new year and how the Lord wants to use us. Okay. So I, I ask that of you. I know your time's valuable. Um, I think Thursday night I went long. I think it's an hour and 15 minutes. And then this morning, I think it's probably just under an hour. So two hours and 15 minutes of your time. It's not very much in a week. Please go look at Thursday night. This morning's 9 a.m. Amen. Praise God. We got some announcements. I'll do those later. I want to dive in the word. Deuteronomy chapter six, the book of Deuteronomy chapter six. You know, there is a, there's a passage of scripture where Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. Many of you know that story. And they get to talking about worship. And Jesus declares to her, he says to her, woman, you know not what you worship. For worship is of the Jews. He said, but the time comes where neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And he makes this statement. He says, the father seeketh such to worship him. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We must worship God in spirit and in truth. But there's an interesting statement there that Jesus made to that woman when he said, you know not who or what you worship. Paul made that statement in the book of Acts to those on Mars Hill when he was in Athens. He said, as I passed by, I saw the inscription on the altar to the unknown God whom you ignorantly worship. What was he saying? He said, you don't know who you worship. That's why you put the unknown God. You understand this morning, God desires us to know who we worship. You believe that? Some people don't know who or what they're worshiping. Oh, they're worshiping. They just don't know who or what. They don't know what spirit they're of. They're moving with ebb and the flow of whatever's going on in this. They're sensual. Sensual. That means they're 
responding to their senses, what they feel alone. It's not enough. He said, we worship him in spirit and in truth. You don't necessarily feel truth, but you know truth. This is why Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's important to know who we worship. When we have a revelation and an understanding of who we worship, then our worship really becomes powerful. Then worship affects the spirit world. But if we don't know who we worship, who we worship matters, amen? Amen? It matters. So let's talk about that this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting with verse number 4. And I'll, if you're not able to write and capture all this stuff, I'll, I'll do what we did Thursday night. I'll share out the notes if you like those scriptures. Is, it, is, is that beneficial, helpful? Do you appreciate that? If you, is that? I'm not trying to promote my notes or nothing like that, but I know sometimes when I cover a lot of scripture, I like you to be able to have it if you want to go back and reference it. And so if you can read my chicken scratch handwriting on some of the notes, then there you go. I think Thursday nights was nicely typed out so you could actually read it. So if I send you something and it's handwritten, you can't read it, just ask. So, amen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4. This is the declaration of the Lord through Moses. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Notice there's a colon there. It's going to further communicate about this, the one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your where? Heart. Not your head. Your heart. What words? Verse 4 that we just read. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Those words should be in your heart. Those words have to go beyond my head and get in my heart. I'll say that one more time. Those words have to go beyond my head and get in my heart. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and Him only shalt thou serve. Amen? Amen? Now he goes further. Notice there's another colon. Verse 7. And you shall teach them diligently to your children. <laughs> and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Are you, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. What? What are we supposed to teach diligently to our children? What are we supposed to talk about when we're sitting in our house? What are we supposed to talk about when we're walking by the way? What are we supposed to talk about when we lie down? What are we supposed to talk about when we get up? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and him only shalt thou serve. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, 
with all thy soul and with all thy might. That matters to you and I. If God said through Moses, these words should be in your heart and you should teach them diligently to your children. You should talk about it in your house and by the way and when you lie down and when you get up, it must be pretty important. Why? Because it's a revealing of who he is. Hear, O Israel. Yehovah Elohim, the Lord, our God, is one. Isaiah chapter 37. Verse 16. Isaiah chapter 37. And verse 16. We see the prophetic utterance here. This is actually King Hezekiah praying. And King's Hezek King Hezekiah's prayer is this. O Lord of hosts, or O Lord of armies. Anytime you see Lord of hosts, it's Lord of armies. Same thing. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, that dwells between the cherubims, you are, what? Uh, you are the God. You are not a God. You are not some God. You, you are the God. I like that. You are the God, even you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. He said, God of Israel, you're the God. You're the God of every kingdom of the earth. And you, the God, you have made heaven and earth. I think this is no deep revelation to any of you here, but the God here that Isaiah is writing about, that Hezekiah is praying to and declaring, is the same Jehovah Elohim that Moses spoke about in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The one Lord. The one God. This is who Hezekiah is praying to and declaring here. We need to know who we worship. Amen? I'd like you to pray with me right now before we go any further in the Word of God today. And in your own words and in your own way, this is what I would like us to pray. Like us to pray what we find in Ephesians 1, 16 and 17. That the wisdom and revelation of God, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation would come to us in the knowledge of him. That we would know the riches of his inheritance in the saints. That comes from revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of him. We've got to have knowledge of Him. And it comes through revelation and the wisdom of God. Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus Christ, I thank You for Your precious, holy, anointed Word. Your Word is a lamp to my feet. It is a light to my path. I need Your Word. I pray today by Your Holy Word and by Your quickening Spirit, that the spirit of revelation would be in this room. 
that you would anoint our hearts and our minds and our spirit to hear and to receive, not with the intellect of men, but with the spirit of God, an imparting of truth, a witness and a revelation of who you are like never before, a conviction of the word and the scripture as you reveal yourself to us as common men that we would know undoubtedly who we worship. We would declare you unashamedly to the world. In Jesus' name, I pray and I thank you, Lord. We are going to bounce back and forth between the book of Isaiah and the New Testament. I want us to see some things of the Lord revealing himself. This is critical for who we are. This is critical for who we worship. This is critical because what we read in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, if we're supposed to be teaching it diligently and talking about it all the time, that's a shortening of that verse. Talk about it all the time. Right? Just talk about him all the time. And if we're supposed to do this with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we better have some revelation of who he is. So watch Isaiah chapter 43. Verse 10 and 11. Isaiah 43, 10 and 11. And if you're in your Bible with pages, you might want to just hold your hand in Isaiah when we flip to the New Testament, okay? So that you can flip right back to Isaiah with me. Isaiah 43 and 10. Watch what is declared here by the Lord. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And my servant, whom I have chosen. Watch that you may know and believe me. That's a, that's a really important statement right there. It's not enough just to believe him. We have to know him. That you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Verse number 11. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is what? No Savior. You need to know me, and you need to believe me. And you need to know that there's no God before me, there's no God after me, and I'm the Lord, and beside me, the Lord, Jehovah, there is no Savior. Do you believe that? So do I. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Remember, hold your hand in Isaiah if you're... Luke chapter 2, verse 11. Watch this declaration from Luke. For unto you... Everybody say, unto me. Unto me is born... I know we read some of this last week, but that's all right. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A what? A savior. Now, Isaiah just told us in chapter 43, the Lord Jehovah was speaking. And the Lord God, Jehovah, said, I alone am God, and beside me there is no savior. Is that what Jehovah said? That's what he said. But here, the angels are declaring, for unto you is born this day. In the city of David, a what? Savior. Uh -huh. A Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
Oh, no, the Savior's got a big capital S. I like that. Not a secondary Savior. Could it be that Jehovah in Isaiah 43 that declared, I alone am God and beside me there is no Savior, would be the same declared by the angel in Luke 2 that said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Could it be that a Savior is the Savior? Would it be that a Savior, Jesus Christ, is Jehovah manifested in the flesh? Or was Isaiah wrong? Is there a Savior beside Jehovah? John 4, 42. Maybe Luke, just in case Luke wasn't quite squared up. Let's see. John 4. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. John 4 and verse 42. Listen to what the Apostle John said. And John said, or the angel, John's writing it, said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of your saying, for we have heard him ourselves. Who, who did they hear? Jesus. We heard him ourselves, and we know. Remember he said, you got to know and believe me? In Isaiah? Here he says, they said, we've heard him ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the what? He's the what? Savior of the world. The Lord declared through Isaiah, I alone am God. And beside me there is no Savior. But here we see Luke writing that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And here we see John pinning the words that indeed this Christ is the Savior of the world. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Philippians 3 and 20. For our conversation is in heaven. Our lifestyle, that's where that word conversation. Our lifestyle is in heaven. From whence also we look for, who do we look for? The Savior. We look for the Savior. Who's the Savior? The Lord Jesus Christ. Make no mistake about it. What Isaiah prophesied, declared in verse 11 of Isaiah 43, when the Lord said, I, even I am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. It's not a contradiction when Luke and John and Paul to the church at Philippi, when those different ones also declared Jesus Christ is the Savior. We understand from Isaiah and from the apostles that this Jehovah who declared there's no other Savior manifests himself in the flesh. This is why they could declare in the New Testament that Jesus Christ is the Savior. And the words of the Lord in Isaiah still hold true. Beside Jehovah, there is no Savior. If Jesus Christ was not Jehovah manifest in the flesh, then either Isaiah would be a false prophet, or John and Luke and Paul would be declaring false things in their writings. We must know who he is and believe him.
Isaiah 44. I told you to hold your hand there. Isaiah 44 and verse 24. like this. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed you from the womb. That's who did this. I am the Lord that makes all things, that stretches forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth. How? By myself. I think the Lord's sort of proud of this, don't you? I formed you, but I make all things. I stretch forth the heavens alone. Nobody did that with me or for me. I did that. And I spread abroad the earth by myself. There's a lot in that little verse in there. Titus 2, 13 and 14. Notice, thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer. Jehovah, your Redeemer. Titus 2, verse 13 and 14. I'm making Brother Jerry work today. I like what Paul told Titus. He said, here's what we're doing. He said, we're looking for that blessed hope. Anybody looking for a blessed hope? We better know who we're looking for. He said, we are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior. Hold that verse right there just a minute, Brother Jerry. I don't believe for a second that Paul was telling Titus, Titus, here's the deal. We're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of two different people showing up. We're expecting the great God and we're expecting our Savior. You think they're looking for two? He's talking about one, the great God and our Savior. Now, there's that. he's calling him the Savior again. So we see again, Isaiah 43, the Lord declared, I alone, God, there's no other Savior. But watch, we're looking for the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, verse 14, who gave himself for us. Who gave himself for us? The Lord Jesus Christ, right? Isn't that what Paul just said? Why did he give himself for us? Right? That he might redeem us. Whoa. In Isaiah 44 and 24 that we just read, the Lord Jehovah said, I am your redeemer. But here Paul told Titus, we're looking for the Lord Jesus Christ that redeemed us. Well, is Jehovah of the Old Testament our redeemer? Or is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, our redeemer? Yes. Yes. The God. Jehovah of the Old Testament. We know the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. How did we behold His glory? Because the glory of God was manifest in the face of Jesus Christ. This is why Paul could tell Titus, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. But yet Isaiah could declare the Lord Jehovah, our Redeemer. Praise God. Isaiah 45. I know this is simple, but we need to know who we worship and we need to see it in the word of God and know where it is in the word of God. Because the adversary and religious tradition in our world would deceive people to believe a falsehood so that they do not know who they worship. And if you don't know who you worship, Jesus Christ himself said, except you believe that I am, 
you will die in your sins. It matters that we know who He is and that we believe. Isaiah 45 and verse 5. And in case you're wondering, I'm scared of Because we just don't have time today. But maybe it would just... Maybe the word of God would somehow, by his great grace, prick your heart and mind. You're going, I'm digging in this word. I want to know him even more. Amen. Isaiah 45, 5 and 6. The Lord God again is speaking. I am the Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded you, though thou hast not. Oh, here's that thing again about knowing him. But he said, I'm the Lord. I'm Jehovah. There's none else. There's no God beside me. I go to you. You have not known me. Verse 6. Why? That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord and there is none else. Skip down to verse 17. Same chapter. But Israel shall be saved. That sounds good, doesn't it? Israel shall be saved in the Lord or in Jehovah with an everlasting or an eternal salvation. You shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. Verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. The Lord is trying to make something abundantly clear through the prophet Isaiah. It's aligning with what he declared through Moses in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and Him only shalt thou serve. And we see the declaration of the Lord Jehovah that was declared in Deuteronomy 6 throughout Isaiah's prophecy, making it abundantly clear again and again and again. I alone am God, and beside me there's none else. I alone am a Savior, there's none other. I'm the Redeemer. I'm the one that formed the heaven and the earth. I'm the one that formed you. The there's no other God beside me. I alone am God. But we see the declarations of the apostles in the New Testament declaring the same things about the Lord Jesus Christ. So it can only be one thing and still hold true across both Testaments. It must be that the God Jehovah of the Old Testament was manifested fully and completely in the Lord Jesus Christ of the new. He was not, he is not a second person in a Godhead. He is the one true living God and his name is revealed to us as the Lord Jesus Christ. Jehovah of the Old Testament manifested himself, Jesus Christ in the new. How do we know this? Matthew chapter 1. Watch. Man, I feel the witness of His Spirit. Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 20. We need to know who He is. We need to know who we worship. And we need to know it in the Word of God, not just in my head. I need to know it in my heart. I need the revelation that comes from Him of who He is. Matthew 1 and 20. This is speaking here of Joseph. Excuse me. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, you son of David, do not fear to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her, leave that verse there just a second, Brother Jerry, for that which is conceived in her 
is of what? Who? Of who? The Holy Ghost. The question. I have three children. It would not be, matter of fact, it would be proper to say when my wife was pregnant with each of those children that that which was conceived in her is of Joel Hart. Does that make sense? We okay with that? Here, the scripture declares to Joseph, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. That thing which is conceived in her, it's of the Holy Ghost. Now, you can read the same thing in Luke's gospel. What's he saying? Well, hold on. If I understand this simple scientific fact and what is being declared here by the angel of the Lord to Joseph, He's saying the father of the child in Mary is the Holy Ghost. Is that what it says? Right? We okay? Hold on. The Holy Ghost is the father? I'm confused. No, I'm not. The world's confused. But the word is clear. The word is clear. The Holy Ghost is the Father. How can the Holy Ghost be the Father? Unless these three are one. It's why Jesus could declare, Philip, have I been so long with you and you've not known me? John 14. Philip, this was Jesus speaking. Philip, if you've seen me, he said, you've seen the Father. Hold on a minute. I read in Matthew that the Holy Ghost was the Father. Right. Absolutely right. See, there is no multiplicity of persons in God. This is why Paul could write clearly and distinctly to the church. In him, the Lord Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. And we are complete in him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the head of all principality and all power. Hold on a minute. If he, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the head of all principality and all power, then if I split God up into multiple persons, then I would be saying that this person I've made God the Father over here is subject to Jesus Christ the Son that's the head of all power. Well, we, of course, know that's not true because we know we don't split God up into persons. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Oh, we should keep reading in Matthew. This is, it gets better. The Lord of God is so wonderful. Verse 2, or 21, sorry. And she, right, that this child that's been conceived by the Holy Ghost, Mary's going to bring forth a son, and you should call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from... Now, watch this, watch this. Now, we forgot because I talked too long, but if you go back to Isaiah 45 where we just read, he said, in the Lord is the salvation of Israel. But here, the angel declared prophetically of this child that would be born named Jesus, he is the salvation of his people. Is that what it says? He shall save his people. Uh -huh. 
So Yehovah, that Isaiah said would be, the salvation of the people would be in him. Here, the angel declared, Jesus. Anybody know what Jesus means? Yeshua. It means Jehovah is become salvation. How can somebody read that, see that, know that? And That's not some deep, secretive, hidden definition. It's a clear and obvious, and you research it, you can find it in two minutes. Jesus means Jehovah has become salvation. Not Jehovah sent his son to become salvation. Jehovah has become salvation. Term son of God is simply because he was birthed from God, not because he's a second person of God. It's important. Next verse. It just keeps getting better. Now, all this was done. Why did all this happen? This was all done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord, by the prophet, or of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Oh, Isaiah said this. All this was done, this conception of the child by the Holy Ghost, this declaration of his name, Jesus. All of it was done to fulfill the scripture that Isaiah declared, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted as what? God with us. Next verse. I'm hurrying. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bid him and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus or Yeshua. Jehovah has become salvation. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Just a couple more places here. Isaiah 45. Hope you kept your hand back there. Isaiah 45, verse number 21. Watch this. The word of God is so beautiful, so wonderful, so powerful, so rich. The Lord is speaking. Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord? And there is no God else beside me a just God and a Savior. There it is again. There is none beside me. Notice what he says. Look to me and be saved. Now he's declaring again, I'm the Savior. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Verse 23, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return. I want you to notice this last line. That unto me, Who's speaking? The Lord, God, Jehovah. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Isaiah prophesied. The Lord, Jehovah, is speaking here through Isaiah. The Lord, God, Jehovah, said unto me every knee will bow and every tongue shall swear. Philippians chapter 2, verse 10. I told you you just can get Bible study this morning. Philippians 2 and 10. We quote this a lot. That at the name of Jesus, well, hold on a minute. That doesn't say Jehovah. 
at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what Jehovah just said about himself. Exactly. And that's what Paul's declaring about the Lord Jesus Christ. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. Verse 11. And every tongue, whoa, 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 every tongue would confess. That's what Isaiah just prophesied. The Lord through him said every tongue would swear. But Paul is saying this about Jesus. Yes. 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 Let me tell you who Jesus is. He's the everlasting father. He's the almighty God. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the root and the offspring of David. He is the great I am. He is the prince of peace. He is the savior of the world. He is the redeemer of my soul. He is God manifest in the flesh. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God. Last scripture in Isaiah. Isaiah 44. I know I got out of order. I did that on purpose. You're like, hold on. We just did 45. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to do this one's It's probably my favorite. I say that about a lot of verses. I got a lot of favorites. I'm so thankful for the word of God. Because it dispels questions. It drives out confusion. You know, the scripture talks about, I think it's uh, 1 Timothy 3.16. says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Right? Maybe you can throw that up there real quick, Brother Jerry. 1 Timothy 3.16. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of... I see what, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, received up into glory. Okay. Uh, who was manifest in the flesh? God. Who is received up into glory? Oh, hold on. That sounds a lot like what Jesus did to me. Right. Jesus was manifest in the flesh. Jesus was justified in the spirit. Jesus was seen of angels. Jesus was preached to the Gentiles. Jesus was believed on in the world. And Jesus was received up into glory. God was. Why does religious tradition seek to split him up into persons? I'll tell you why. It is the greatest deception of the adversary in the world. Because the adversary knows if they believe that he is I am, if, if, they, if, if they won't believe that he's the I am, they'll die in their sins. And so if I can give them a doctrine that's false, that causes them to be confused about who God is, they'll never believe he's the I am. You understand, it's the very spirit or root of the issue that the woman at the well, the well that the Lord Jesus addressed. You know not who you worship. It was the spirit of the air in Athens that Paul addressed 
to the unknown God whom you ignorantly worship. This idea of the adversary confusing people about who God is is not new. He's been trying to do it for all of time so that he can doom people to eternal damnation. And so the Lord Jesus came to reveal himself. Okay, now let's go to Isaiah 44 and 6. Isaiah 44 verse 6 says this. Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Now the question, see, see, we see that word and a lot in the New Testament. We're like, oh, see, it says, it says God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We're like, oh, see, that's multiple. Oh, hold on a minute. I have a question right here. When it says, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is he talking about two different lords there? Anybody think he's talking about two different lords there? No. So why in the New Testament, when we see something that says the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, do we think, oh, that means he's split them up into two different No, it's the same principle of English here that's being used. It's further describing, right? It's so funny to be, anybody believe the devil's in like three or four different persons? Well, I read in Revelation that great serpent and Satan and... Read it in Revelation. It describes them in three different ways in the same verse. And it says, and, and, and. I don't read that and go, oh, so the, so Satan's a serpent and Satan, you know, and there's three different persons. But we read and when we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and God, we go, oh, that means there's multiple persons. And we read this here and we go, no, 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 it's all. See, don't let, we understand. Does this make sense? We need to see and know in the scripture. All right, so thus saith the Lord, and just in case there's any doubt, we'll keep reading. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord, I am, not we are. I am the first, and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Now, this verse, you can't question who's talking. Thus saith the Lord. Jehovah. Thus saith the Lord, Jehovah, the Redeemer, Jehovah of armies. I'm the first, I'm the last. Beside me, there's no God. Okay. Revelation. Oh, man, I like this book. <laughs> this stuff excites me. The Word of God excites me. Watch this, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. In case you wonder what the book, don't be scared of the book of Revelation. Get baptized in Jesus' name. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll love the book of Revelation. Really? Get baptized in Jesus' name. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to love this book. I'll just give you a little side note. It talks a lot about the church. But guess what? The last mention of the church, Ecclesia. It's in chapter 3 and verse 22. So just do what you will with that. Anyway. We'll talk about the catching away of the church some other time. Let's get back to it. All right. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. What is this book all about? Well, the book is all about the name. The name of the book. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. People go, oh, no, Revelation's about like in time. And it's terrible. And it's like apocryphal. And ooh, ooh, right. Well, that is if you're lost. 
But the whole book, the primary purpose of the book is revelation. Revelation of what? Of who? The revelation of Jesus Christ. Read John's gospel. Read John's three letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Read Revelation, all written by Apostle John. John had one underlying primary purpose in all of his writing. I want them to recognize and realize who Jesus is. Is it any wonder that John was called John the Beloved? He was the one that was always leaning on Jesus. He was the one that was always close. He was the one that was always near. He was the one that couldn't get enough of Jesus. He had such a relationship. Everything he wrote was trying to make sure people understood who Jesus was. Because he wanted all of us to have that relationship. So John wrote Revelation. He said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. All right. Skip down to verse 8, same chapter. We're going to stay in that chapter for just a minute. How many of you got red letter Bibles? Wave your hand. Okay, quite a few of you. Verse 8 in red or black in your Bible? Oh, who's talking? That's what it means, right? Jesus is talking. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And what did Jesus say? He said, I am Alpha and Omega. The beginning and end, ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Skip down to verse 11. What color are those letters in your Bible? Okay, just checking. Saying, I am, oh, he's repeating himself. He wanted to make it clear. I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. And he names all the seven churches. Skip down to verse 17. John said in verse 17 of Revelation 1, he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, and now this is where it's read in your Bible. Here's what he said to me. Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. That means it is settled. Three times in the first chapter of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ, three times in the first chapter, the Lord Jesus chose to declare and John chose to pen the declaration. I'm the first, the last, the beginning, the ending. I'm the first, I'm the last. I'm Alpha, Omega, the beginning, the ending. Don't be afraid. I'm the first. I'm the last. And yet we just read in Isaiah 44 and 6 that the Lord Jehovah said, I am the first and I am the last. Exactly. Revelation 22. Now you have hope. We're at the end of the book. Revelation 22, verse 12. Please stand with me. Brother Jerry, could you go back to Isaiah 44 and 6 again, please? 
and then we'll flip right back here to Revelation. Please see these words again. Isaiah, thus saith the Lord of hosts, or the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first, and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. This is Jehovah, God of the Old Testament, declaring, I'm the first, I'm the last. Beside me there is no God. We saw it three times in Revelation 1. And I want you to see some of the final declarations of the Word of God in Revelation 22 and verse 12. It's read in your Bible. And Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Who is coming quickly? Jesus, the Lord God, Jehovah. Jesus did not say, Behold, we come quickly. He said, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. You need to know who he is. You need to believe who he is. To give every man according as his work shall be. Next verse. I am Alpha, and I am Omega. I am the beginning, and I am the end. I am the first, and I am the last. And I hear the prophecy of Isaiah declaring, Beside me there is no God. And I'm coming quickly. I'm the first, I'm the last, and I'm coming quickly. Lord, anoint our eyes and our minds to know who you are. Look at verse 16. It's in my notes, but I'd like to read it anyway. I... Who? Jesus. Oh, yeah, just in case. I have sent mine angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root, that's the beginning, and I'm the offspring of David. Hold on. If you're the root of David, you were before David. But if you're the offspring of David, you are after David. Hold on a minute. How is it possible, Jesus, that you're the root of David if you're the offspring of David? Well, you know, Israel had that same problem. Read it in John 8. Jesus said to them, if you were your father Abraham, you'd do the works of Abraham, but you're the father, your father the devil. He's a liar and the father of it. And you do the works of you. Abraham, our father, what are you talking about? They were upset. They were mad. He said, your he said Abraham rejoiced to see, read it in Johnny. He said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Well, they were like, what are you talking about? You're not even above 50 years old. Our father Abraham's dead and buried. And you say he rejoiced to see your day? And Jesus said to them, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Well, when he said that, they took up stones to kill him. They said he's making himself God. He wasn't making himself God. He was God. He was God. He was the root and the offspring. 
It's throughout the word of God. We should know who he is. I'm thankful today. Only by the grace of God. Only by his spirit of revelation. I'm not caught in the place that woman at the well was caught of not knowing who I worship. But I know who I worship. He is the one true living God. And I want to serve him with all of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength. I want to declare it diligently to my children. I want to speak of him when I walk by the way. I want to speak of him in my house. I want to speak of him when I rise up in the morning and when I lie down at night. I want to love him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I know who he is. And his name is Jesus. There is no confusion in the Godhead. It's clear and evident from the word of God. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is none other than Jesus Christ manifested to us in the new. There is but one God and His name is Jesus. We know who we worship. We know who we worship. We know who we worship because of the revelation of who He is. We know who we worship. Paul writing to the church in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5 and 16, 17, 18. You can look at it. Paul said, to wit that God was in Christ. What was he doing? What was God doing in Christ? Simple. He was reconciling the world to himself. God said, I got to reconcile the world to myself. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell in flesh. I'm going to allow that flesh to be crucified. I'm going to send back up into glory. When the scripture says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He didn't go up there where God was sitting down and he sat down beside him. Again, I think of the words of Jesus to some of the religious leaders of his day. He said, you do err not knowing the scriptures. God doesn't have hands and feet. and We know this. God is a spirit. So when the scripture declares that Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, it means he sat down in the place of authority. The right hand is the place of authority. He sat down in God's authority. The only way he could sit down in God's authority was because he was God. He was God. Go dig in Revelation. I just gave you enough today to make you go dig, I hope. But go dig in Revelation. I like this one verse. And there was one who sat upon the throne. And one day we're going to see him. And when we get there and we bow before him, we fall at his feet. We're not going to be looking at three different people on thrones. There's going to be one throne, and there's going to be one sitting on the throne. It will be the lion and the lamb, not two, but one, sitting on the throne. And we can declare his name, he who has redeemed us from every tribe and every nation. Could we worship him right now this morning? And pray the revelation of his word and his spirit in us. Oh.